this week, he also mentioned about reading in context. And so we start with the word that. And that is referring to earlier verses about the futile thinking of the Gentiles. So we'll start. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The second reading this morning is from Proverbs 29. A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. A man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. By justice, a king gives a country stability, but one who is greedy for bribes tears it down. Whoever flatters his neighbour is spreading a net for his feet. An evil man is snared by his own sin, but a righteous one can sing and be glad. The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Mockers stir up a city, but wise men turn away anger. If a wise man goes to court with a fool, the fool rages and scoffs, and there is no peace. Bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity and seek to kill the upright. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. If a ruler listens to lies, all his officials become wicked. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives sight to the eyes of both. If a king judges the poor with fairness, his throne will always be secure. But the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. When the wicked thrive, so does sin, but the righteous will see their downfall. 
Discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. A servant cannot be corrected by mere words, though he understands he will not respond. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. If a man pampers his servant from youth, he will bring grief in the end. An angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honour. The accomplice of a thief is his own enemy. He is put under oath and dare not testify. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Many seek an audience with a ruler, but it is from the Lord the man gets justice. The righteous detest the dishonest, the wicked detest the upright. Well, it'll be a little bit uh, more difficult to follow along today because Proverbs are so itsy-bitsy. I love reading the Proverbs. You just love hearing Sue read that out and just all the different things that you, that you hear and you go, wow, I love the Proverbs. It's great, which is why we're doing it in January because Pete's away and I get to read Proverbs. <laughs> no, we agreed. It was good. My name is Robbie, by the way. If we haven't met before, I'm one of the ministers here. Uh, so it's wonderful to be bringing you the Word of God today. Fair warning, um, I'm going to show a couple of pictures now. They may elicit a emotional response, viewer discretion advised, all that sort of stuff. Traffic. People not obeying the rules. In traffic. Rush hour traffic. Traffic jams. Hoons in general, of course. Housing prices. Sydney housing prices specifically. Regulations and building regulations. And local council. Social media. Stupid comments from friends, colleagues, family. Worst of all, random strangers. The government. Video games. Oh, now, this is not for everyone. Maybe it's more for the 6pm people and, and Z at 8 o'clock. But specifically, Dark Souls, the video game, 1, 2, and 3, and the game Sekiro. If you know, you know. Moving on. Stub in your toe. Universal experience. Technology. Blue screen of death. Ugh. Glitches, crashes, failures, and of course, mosquitoes. Specifically, mosquitoes in the bedroom at night. <laughs> what on earth? All right, if you don't know what we're talking about, now you know what we're talking about. Talking about proverbs and anger. Ugh! And you know, anything that I'm, everything I mentioned then, or most of the things, didn't have anything to do with people. <laughs> that was all the other stuff. Then there's people. Uh, anger is really strong. It's a really strong emotion. Anger is often destructive 
it wants to break. There's a whole superhero about it somehow. The Hulk. But he uses it for good. But we all use it to hurt and to harm. The book of Proverbs talks about anger, talks about angry outbursts, talks about the emotion. And in the book of Proverbs, it is not associated with a wise life. The two don't go together. Again, like last week, if you were here last week, I said that Proverbs speaks in such black and white terms. And as we read through it, we sort of felt that. It speaks in such black and white terms that every topic has a nuance, has nuance to it, and anger is no different, except today I'm not going to be speaking for an hour. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a lot of nuance. I'm just going to give you what the Proverbs say in, in quite black and white terms. And we're going to work with that and we have to have the wisdom to apply it into the, the grey areas of life, okay? But you can all talk with each other and, and, and help apply instruction together. That's part of Proverbs and part of wisdom. Anyways, Proverbs, it's a bit black and white. Today, we're talking about anger and, and our own, the, the bad kind of anger. The anger that hurts and harms and destroys. We're not really talking about the anger of the Lord or the anger that's from injustice that we might feel. We're not necessarily talking about those things. Just about the bad kind of anger, which is most of it. Why would you want to overcome the problem of anger in your own life? Well, perhaps, uh, and many of us might experience this, perhaps we came from an angry family and we don't want to pass that on to our kids. Perhaps we have too many arguments with our spouse over things that are not even worth arguing about in the least. Too angry. Perhaps your anger, your short temper has got you in trouble at work, with family, or whatever it might be, at church. And it's lost you friends, lost you relationships, it's cost you. There's a lot of reasons to deal with anger, a lot of motivations to deal with anger. And I'm sure you've got your own. Plenty of reasons to deal with it. God has given us wise instruction in the book of Proverbs about anger. So here's a little roadmap of where we're going today. Why is anger a problem, first and foremost? What causes anger? Where does it come from? How do we deal with our own anger? And then finally, how do we deal with others' anger? anger with us or whatever it might look like that's where we're going first why is anger a problem this is just a short one as a church we're all about loving god loving people that's what we're all about but anger it doesn't lead to that path it doesn't lead us down that path here's proverbs 29 22 which we read an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Anger doesn't lead us down the path of a wise and loving and peaceful life. A hot-tempered person, someone who's quick to get angry, is prone to sin, is what that is saying. Someone who is qu quick to get angry is slow to love God, slow to love people. Someone who is quick to get angry is quick to dishonour God and quick to hurt people. Hot-tempered, commits many sins. 
This proverb is saying that we ought to be motivated by our love of God and our love of people, which is our first point. We're not motivated. We're not motivated by well. I don't like. It's not a subjective thing. It's not necessarily about me. As a Christian, we're thinking about God and about people, and love dishonors God. Sorry, and our anger dishonors God and hurts people often. So that is why anger is a problem for the Christian specifically. Our second point. I'll spend a little bit more time. What causes anger? Well, lots of anger, and I think you'll sort of anecdotally agree. Lots of anger says, "I want, I want." I want, and anger's role in us getting what we want, want uh, is mingled up with power. So stick with me. Proverbs fourteen sixteen says, "The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot tempered and yet feels secure." So anger says, "I'm not afraid of God. I'm not afraid of God. I'm afraid of you. In fact, you should be afraid of me." When I'm angry, you should be afraid of me. Don't get in the road of what I want. Give me what I want. Anger makes us take what we want. We feel powerful when we're angry. Or to use what this proverb says, to use the words a bit, we feel secure. We feel strong. Another source of anger is pride. Anger says I want, but it also says I deserve. I want it, and because I want it, I deserve it. The proud and arrogant person, Mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury, disregard, angry disregard. Why? Because they're proud and arrogant. Anger comes out when we're proud and arrogant, and we're only thinking of ourselves. We're not thinking of God. We're not thinking of others. Pride and anger, a pride and arrogance. Another source of anger, not so much the core, not so much where it comes from, but why it comes out, is lack of self-control. The proverbs say the inability to control anger when it rises up within us. We read this today. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. The fool gives full vent. They let loose. They explode. They flip the lid. They go berserk. They give full vent. They lose control. That's what that means. They lose control. They do not have self-control in the moment. They've lost it. Now we might think, and I think we often think this way. We might think that other people they make us angry. Other people make us angry. I wouldn't be angry if it wasn't for someone else making me angry. It's not my fault. Someone else's fault. Here's what the Bible says: James, New Testament. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that are battling within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. And you remember what Jesus said. He said, "If you get angry, if you're an angry." You're killing people in your heart. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You get angry. You want, you don't get it. You quarrel, you fight. 
So what do we do with these desires? What do we do with them? That's our next question. So we're thinking about what can cause anger? Now that's what the Proverbs say, there's many things. But how do we deal with anger? Well, part of the problem of anger is, as we just read, pride and arrogance. The proud and arrogant person, mocker. He behaves with insolent fury. Pride and anger says, I deserve, I want, I deserve. But the counterpoint to pride, and we even read a little bit of this in Proverbs today, is humility. It is humility. If anger puts me first, humility puts you first. Puts others first. If anger leads to sin and to uh, to hurting people and to dishonouring God, then humility, it leads down the path of love. It is the path to loving God. It is the path to loving people, putting others first. Now saying that, man, Proverbs just Proverbs speak that about the, the humble person and the proud person. And it's New Year's, and we're thinking about changing our lives, as we often do. But this isn't something that changes overnight. It's not a quick fix to read Proverbs and say, humility, easy. <laughs> it's not like a New Year's uh, resolution, which is often sort of short-lasting, it's a bit simple, it's a, let's change a little behaviour. This is what we called a New Year's revolution. It is a total change. It's not just a little thing. It is a total change. To become a humble person. A humble person. Earlier we said, anger makes us feel so powerful when we're angry. We feel uh, we've got all the energy in the world to get what we want. And when we're angry, the best, the thing that we want, we try and take. We don't want it done tomorrow, we want it done yesterday in our anger. And again, Proverbs speaks to this. Speaks about power, speaks about impatience, which comes from anger. The Proverbs say, better a patient person. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control, the one who takes a city. So better to be patient than to be a powerful warrior, so to speak. Better to have self-control than to control a city so to speak. Better to have control of yourself than control of others. Better to have power over yourself than power over others. This proverb shows the importance of character over results. Character over results. We often resort to anger because we want results. When we want them, not tomorrow, yesterday. We want them done. But Think about it. Does anger give you what you want? Does anger get you what you want? Maybe in a superficial way. But it's funny because I think that when we're angry, even when we get what we want, no matter what we want, and our anger achieves it, well, we're not happy with what we got. (laughs) Because we're angry. You can't be angry and happy. It doesn't quite work that way. Can't be happy with what you've got when you're angry. Instead, the proverb says, it is better, better by far, to be patient than to be a warrior. It is better to have self-control 
than control the city. Self-control is really the opposite of being hot-tempered. Instead of being quick to anger with self-control, we are slow to anger, like we looked at last week. We ought to be people who are slow to speak, who weigh our words. In the same way, we are to be slow to anger with self-control. We're not, we're not called to be at the whim of our emotions. We're called to be wise. Proverbs speaks of self-control and anger, and it talks about patience. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. You know, in our world, if someone's got lots of letters after their name, they have great understanding. PhD after PhD and MA stuff and all that sort of stuff. I'm not smart enough to know what they all are. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you're patient, you've got great understanding. You've got great understanding. We might look up to intelligent people, but if you're patient, well, we ought to look up to you. As I said earlier, Proverbs is not merely a matter of doing something different. It's about being someone different, a patient person. The issue of anger, it is a character issue. So dealing with anger is not just about changing some things in life that might make that you feel make you angry. It's about changing you. It's about being someone different. Now the book of Proverbs gives us lots of practical advice, very practical advice, which is part of the reason why we love it so much. It just tells it how it is. But just giving the been given the instructions often doesn't feel like it's enough. We need to see someone put it into practice. We need to see a wise life. And if we look at each other, well, we kind of get mixed results. We need to look somewhere else. We need to look, for an example, in someone else, and the Christian looks to Jesus. The Christian looks to the Lord who practiced wisdom, who is wisdom. That's who we look to. We see Jesus' patience, his love, his self-control, all the way through his life. And you might be thinking of the time he flipped the tables uh, from the moneylenders and stuff in the temple. Even his anger is not mingled with sin as ours is. You know what it says in that passage? It says it was the zeal of the Lord, it was his love of God that led him to those actions to honour God because people were causing injustice in the temple. His anger is so unlike ours. But his life is totally unlike ours. Such wisdom and love and patience with the disciples. You put yourself in Peter's shoes all the time and you just think, that's me all the time. And the Lord has got a lot of patience with me. The Lord is very wise. He's very loving. He's very loving. He is slow to anger. But the New Testament doesn't just show us. right? doesn't just show us. doesn't just give us a picture of Jesus and say, go and do likewise. doesn't just do that. By trusting in the Lord Jesus, by following his footsteps, by following his pattern, by following his life, the Bible says that when we trust in him, our life is changed, which is what we're after. Our life is changed. In our first reading, it said, the person who trusts in the Lord Jesus has the Holy Spirit. 
sealed for the day of redemption, as Stephen read for us. You've got the Holy Spirit, and that changes your life. If you call yourself a Christian, trust in the Lord. That's what changes us. Slowly but surely, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what that is? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's humility, it's self-control. How does this happen? Well, part of the way it happens, which I love, part of the way it happens is when we engage with God's Word. As God's Spirit does a work in us through His Word. When we're reading the Proverbs, maybe you feel like, wow, that is profound. That's got power. That's the Lord. That's the Lord working through His Word. That's what He does. He speaks to us through His Word. He challenges us and we feel it like a sword cutting into our hearts. And he changes us. He empowers us to go and follow his ways. To live a wise life. To live a wise life. To be people of self-control, patience and humility. Changing bit by bit. Not changing overnight. But bit by bit. Which is patience, isn't it? Having a relationship with God, that is the doorway. That is the doorway to a wise life. We might watch lots of wise things and Jordan Peterson on YouTube and other people on YouTube or read the books with wisdom in them. That's all fair and true. And there's good things to that, general wisdom. But often the Bible is so different. And the Bible doesn't just tell you what to do, doesn't just show you what to do, it actually empowers you to do. As the Lord says, as the Proverbs say about the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You might feel like you don't know a lot of things about anything. But if you know the Lord, you know the one thing that matters. You might be scared of a lot of things. But if you have a right view of the Lord, a fear, a respect, an awe, a love of the Lord, a knowledge of Him, well, you've got the right thing. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of a wise life. So what do we do with our anger? Point three. How do we deal with it? How do we change? Well, we start to change when we start to follow the Lord, the Lord Jesus, who is wisdom. Our life starts to look wiser and wiser as we start to follow the Lord Jesus, and he changes us and empowers us by his spirit. Well, Proverbs has one last thing to say about anger. This time it's not to do with our anger. It's to do with other people's anger, which might be directed towards us. Because of the nature of sin and anger, it often perpetuates itself, like it's contagious. Now, I said before that when we get angry, it's not other people's fault. It's our fault. It's in us. Right? But that doesn't mean that when someone's angry at us, that we're immune. We're still responsible. But it's not their fault. Nevertheless, someone's anger, someone's sin can tempt us. Can tempt us. It can provoke our own anger that's within us. That's the nature of anger. That's the nature of sin. But instead of getting trapped in this cycle, which is so easy to imagine, which is the, the beginning of the Bible, it's this cycle of trouble where one person sins against another, so someone sins against that. And it just goes on and on and on until it gets into a deep, dark pit. God counsels us with a way out. First of all, we don't play the same game. 
A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We don't play the same game. The way of wisdom, the way of the Christian life, is not about comebacks or retaliations. Wisdom is not to respond in kind, but to provide a kind response. Anyways, as we looked at earlier, anger perpetuates sin. And when we're sinned against, it's so easy to do the same. Again, Proverbs counsels us. A person's wisdom yields patience, which is what the kids are colouring this verse. It is so worthy of committing to memory. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory, it's to your glory, to overlook an offence. If you reverse this, you get our world. It is the people who take offence and claim victimhood who become the poster boys for some sort of issue. It is the people who get offended so easily that are upheld in our society and get so much airtime, who are impatient, who say the first thing that comes off of their minds and get a great following. And maybe you've experienced this, but then you get sucked into that, don't you? We all do that. They're popular and they take offence and we get riled up with them and we're right there. But the Bible is not the world's wisdom. And we would do well to listen to this verse and to commit it to memory so that when we're offended, we remember it. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. Now that's not talking about a criminal offence. This is talking, you know, the criminal offence that happens once in a blue moon or whatever. It happens here and there. It might happen to us. It might not happen to us. This is talking about the everyday stuff. Interpersonal relationships. Not the once in the blue moon thing. It's talking about the everyday. (laughs) When someone offends you and hurts you every day because we live wise and foolish lives. We're a mixed bunch. It's talking about that, more small-scale stuff. Hurtful words said without thinking. Well, wisdom counsels us to overlook it, to let it go, to cover it up, literally. And when we don't act on it, lo and behold, our emotions simmer down and we get a clearer picture of it. And we go, you know what? I said the same thing yesterday. We calm down. That's the way of patience. That's the way of wisdom. The next proverb counsels us in a particularly important way. It says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. That is a very important one. Like last week, sometimes this is easy to put into practice and then other times it's very difficult to put into practice. If it's just someone online, if it's a friend of a friend or an associate of someone, well, it's not hard to disassociate in in those instances. Where someone is clearly an angry person, we go, well, that's not someone I'm going to hang out with. That's a wise choice. You can do that. 
But when it's family, when it's a work colleague, when it's the boss, who in their anger and in their time pressures and all this sort of stuff, hands that down to you and to the team and to whatever, what do you do? Quit? I mean, you might, but it's not that easy. The Proverbs is saying that where you have a choice, choose wisely. Where you have a choice, choose wisely. Choose wisely who you're going to spend your time with because their character will eventually shape your character. Now, where you don't have a choice, that's difficult. And whatever situation that might be, it also requires each, the counsel of each other, as wisdom is. Where you don't have a choice, you can't excuse the problem. That's important. Don't excuse the problem. Love the angry person. You must love. You are a Christian. Love the angry person. But do not excuse angry behaviour. Do not excuse it. Do not take on angry behaviour. Guard your heart and guard your life. That's not unloving. That is wise. That will help you to love. But don't learn their ways, it says. Let me quote, as we get close to the end, let me quote Ed, uh, Ed Welch, a Christian counsellor and author. This is what he says about this proverb. He says, Friends can leave us ensnared in anger. Family can do the same. We tend to take on the mannerisms of those closest to us. The child who hears anger from her parents will be playing house with angry dolls. Later, she herself might be the angry parent. Do you excuse the anger in your family's home? Be careful. You can certainly and must certainly love an angry family member. But don't excuse anger. If you do, you will be tone deaf to your own imitations of that anger. You won't realise, and maybe this is your experience, when you realise in your anger, oh man, that was dad. Oh, that was mum. Oh man. That, that was me. That was the boss. Continuing, he says, some families, even some ethnic groups, boast about how they can fight fiercely one minute and be hugging the next, as if it's a good thing. It is not. Proverbs counsels us, don't learn the ways of anger. So that's Ed Welch commenting on this passage as a, uh, as a counsellor. Instead, what wonderful words we have from our first reading, Ephesians 4. We put off the old self, because that is us. We are angry people. We put off the old self. We put away anger, put it away, and we put on the new self. It is a total change, not just behaviour. It is a total change. We're changing who we are. Or better yet, because that's an impossible task, God is changing us. God is changing us to be who he made us to be. To be like the Lord Jesus, who is loving, patient, humble, Not only are we motivated by God's word, but we're empowered by it. Proverbs isn't just self-help, it's God's help. God's help for you. And one of the best ways that you can tap into God's help, I guess you could say, is by memorising it. By memorize, It's a proverb. It's a short one. Mima still remembers some proverbs that she had in wherever it was that shaped her life from a young age. 
That's what it can do. Memorize it. And in a moment of anger or whatever, it will come up. That's God's help. That's God's power. That's the Spirit. By the power of the Spirit, God is helping and changing us. And that does make a difference in your life, if your life is lived for the Lord. Well, let me end with these words from Ephesians chapter 4. Words about becoming who the Lord has made us to be, if you can wrap your head around that, through the power of the Spirit. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Actually, when I was a young man, that was a memory verse of mine. When I was a young Christian, I needed that all the time. God's word. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, only what's good for building people up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen.